Hello, everybody. Welcome to Real Talk with Chris Okamura. We're excited here. This is our eighth showing here. I said eight showing, eighth session, right? Our eighth interview. So we just started this podcast. We're on session number eight. We've been um, interviewing amazing top talent. And individually, this is designed specifically for people in the real estate world. So if you're out there in the podcast world listening for some channels, we are kind of narrowed down into the real estate industry. That's what we do. Um, but it's designed for everybody, real estate industry, mortgage, title, escrow. And honestly, I'm trying to open this up to anybody who's entrepreneurial, honestly, right? If you have an entrepreneurial bone in your body, um, this is what we're designed for. We're, we're big thinkers. We're forward thinkers. And my idea to do this originally was to uh, expose and showcase all of our amazing top talent here at EXP with our team, Freedom. And today's guest is same thing running here. We have an amazing opportunity. I've actually been blessed to meet this person. Terry Tucker is a great friend of mine um, prior to coming to EXP, but uh, we've known each other for some time. But Terry is an amazing, amazing, talented individual in the East Bay area, for those who might be familiar, I know where you're listening from, but here in California, the East Bay in San Ramon. So we're excited to have you on the show today, Terry, um, and kind of get just a gist of who you are. If you could do us a favor and kind of give us some, maybe a, a showcase and, and, and a, maybe of a journey of how you got to where you're at, kind of give us your story. Yeah, hey, I'd, I'd be happy to. And thanks for inviting me on. This is exciting for me as well. Um, so my journey began when I was a little kid. Uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was a broker in Santa Cruz. He started out with a partner knocking on doors and collecting people's laundry and he'd go do it and come back. He was just a hustler. And eventually he made so much money, he sold out his half of the business and went and bought. And he literally got his broker's license, put up like 29 listings all around Santa Cruz. Um, and he was off and running. And he was, like I said, just a hustler. And then uh, his son, my uncle, got into it. He was a, an agent at 18, a broker at 21 and retired at 50 um, after doing a tremendous amount of development, just had an unbelievably sex, successful career. Um, the odd thing is, is I didn't necessarily plan on going into real estate, but I also going through college didn't necessarily have a plan as exactly what I wanted to do. Isn't that um, funny though, real quick? I don't think any of us have ever planned. If you talk no. to a realtor, he's like, did you plan this? Well, probably not. Kind of fell into it, right? So yeah, well, I figured, I figured, hey, genetically I'm set up to be pretty good at it. Right. But, um, yeah, I, it, it wasn't my game plan coming out of college. So my first job out of college, I worked for bank of America. My dad was with them for over 35 years. He ran their commercial appraisal department. So I got a, a, a job in their human resources training department. And I was initially just doing admin stuff and then the opportunity later to become a trainer. Um, and then I went out into the field and I worked for B of A at the branches doing loans. Um, so I got my loan background and uh, I'll skip through the, the middle part of all of this, but I, I work for them. I work for Old Republic Title for about three and a half years. So um, all of a sudden now real estate sort of on my radar. I'm working with realtors and my um, when you work for a title company, especially back then, it was what can you add to the realtors business? Well, I had a little bit of a marketing background, but I also at B of A got trained in windows so not only did i know how to run a computer really well which for the real estate industry was fairly brand new um, so i would run around fixing people's realtor uh, realtors computers and they were like ah oh, this is the best this thing runs great now again so i was sort of very early the tech tech guy in in title you didn't know you were um, a techie background did you 
Like, yeah, that yeah, was gonna be, it might be your calling. Now you fast forward to 2023, that might have been a great career, Terry. I, I should have seen it coming, Chris. <laughs> I should have headed south instead of north and gone down to Silicon Valley. Um, but anyway, so I did that three and a half years and I thought, I'm seeing a lot of folks uh, making really good livings. I, I understand real estate fairly well. You know, as a kid, I'd go with my dad when he was appraising down in San Jose and I'd pull tape with them and measure houses. And so it was in my blood. So in 1997, I took, in fact, it's kind of a funny story. I took a week's vacation and I was at home. I was um, reasonably newly married, five years into mine and Kim's marriage. And I'm at home and she comes home from work one day and I'm there sitting there studying and she's all, what are you doing home? And I said, oh, I'm getting my real estate license. I'd forgotten to tell my wife, which is never a good move. I don't recommend that. Your marriage won't last much longer if you do that. Yeah, exactly. So I um, um, I finished that and I got my license. And in October 97, I was licensed, but I was sort of part time. So I did that for six months. By March of next year, I had done what I don't know back then they really talked about, but I I pulled up to shore, burned my boat and jumped into real estate. I literally, and again, I don't recommend this stuff, but it's kind of who I am. I took my little 401k from B of A, I cashed it out, didn't pay the taxes, and I survived on that while I jumped into real estate. So that was March of 97. I think I did seven transactions that first year. I made a little bit more than I had made in my previous job. And the next year, I think I did 19 transactions and I just... I took off from there. Now I was living in Oakley. So those deals were, you know, lower, lower dollar deals than what I tend to do today. But um, I really loved it. I really loved it because um, I can, I can sell. I love selling. I love consulting. Um, and I really love the freedom of running my own business. Now you figure out really quickly when you run your own business that it's all hard work all the time, right? No rest for the weary. Um, and I remember an agent telling me the minute, so I, my office was in Danville. So I was commuting every day from out in Oakley to Danville and you know, the, the freeways were crowded. Um, and I was talking to an agent who was the number one agent at Coldwell Banker where I started. She had a team and she said, the minute you move to Danville, your business is going to jump. So in 2002, I bought my first home in Danville and she was right because I just started farming my neighborhood, getting to know people being in the area. And I continue to have success at um, Cobalt Banker. There were a couple of years. I have a really good friend in the business and he and I every other year would flip flop as to who was the number one individual agent. Um, he'd have a good year then I have a really good year. And I mean, we always had good years, but it was good, friendly competition. It maybe was one of the smartest things I had done in real estate was to have somebody that I love dearly as a friend but we were friendly competitors and we even did business together. You know, I learned a lot about staging a home from him because he had a really good eye on how to, how to, you know, change homes. And there weren't any stagers back then. We did our own staging, right? So I was the guy who had to pull all the furniture out and then he would tell me, okay, put this back, put this back. Um, so you did everything yourself. We took our own photos, right? The, the industry's changed a lot. Um, so I was with Cole Banker for about eight years. Um, I then went to a small boutique firm. I was a partner there for a little while. Um, didn't, didn't love it. Um, 
So I, I then um, think about this. I went back to Coal Banker for about a year. And um, after that, I went to KW and that's where you and I met. And I was with KW for, oh man, uh, 11 years, I think. Yeah. Seems like it should be longer, but I, I, think, that's, I think that's about <laughs> the right. The timeline changes as we get older, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I need to write this stuff down. But anyway, I was there. Um, I was in the Danville office. I was the assistant team leader. You and I met at regional events first. Um, and I helped build that office. I was the longest running assistant team leader that Kristen White, who's the uh, team leader there, ever had. Um, we had tremendous success. We over doubled the numbers in that office. When I left, we were top 25 in the world for KW. Um, it was a great wide ride. It's maybe um, one of the jobs where I learned the most. And I was, I was, you know, look, I have, I, I love uh, that office. I love the people in it. I got to work with amazing leaders like uh, Kristen and Bev Steiner, who's the owner of the office. Um, and, you know, while I was there, I did a tremendous amount of training. I've trained over well over a thousand agents uh, in real estate. Um, but the other thing I loved was in that position, I got to continue to sell. So my business flourished. I was, um, you know, there I received uh, a number of awards as top individual agent and, and things like that. And I don't I don't keep them there. I don't know where I probably honestly tossed them away. That stuff doesn't really motivate me all that much. It's nice to know, but after that, it's what's next, right? So, um, and then you and I started talking, I think in 2017, I came to an event with you. I really loved EXP, but the timing wasn't exactly right. No, it was 2016, actually. Yeah, that was 20, the very first time I think it was 2016. That's when we took yeah. the trip to Vegas. Vegas. Is it Vegas? Yeah. yeah, I got yeah. you into the pie gal tables. And yeah, you and I <laughs> rocked pie gal, so. Well, that's that was 2016, awesome. yeah. Yeah, so then uh, 2017 is when I actually stepped out of management um, and not too long after that, made the move to EXP. And I'm um, super grateful for that move. While I while I love the company and the people where I was, um, the technology uh, is so much better here at EXP. It's it's ridiculous. Um, Night and day. Yeah, I'm working on um, some sort of advanced things. I, I mentioned to you earlier off air that I work with one of my team members. Um, and we're working on some projects and we're doing some in-depth stuff with um, KV Core, social media, lead gen, buyer funnels, all these things that are incorporating um, lead gen into um, dropping people and having a year's campaign already written in KV Core so that people are just getting contact. Um, and she's already doing a smaller version of this and having great success at it. So. I'm excited. We'll probably have this all wrapped up maybe by the end of the week so I can report back on how all that runs. But um, so that leads me to sitting here with you today. So I've been at this 25 years since 97, uh, full-time agent, had a run in management, absolutely loved it, learned a tremendous amount. Um, everything, everything that I've learned that took me from Terry Tucker, Cole Banker, who was, um, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but I'm, I've always been a good salesperson and I trained sales at B of A, right? So I understood it. I understood technology, um, but it took me from this sort of solopreneur to a guy who runs it more like a business. Um, and, and maybe that's the biggest, biggest difference 
And, and what's exciting is, is EXP and the technology is really allowing me to take this to a whole nother level. And I'm, I'm super excited for, even though the market's a little squidgy right now, I'm really excited. Um, you know, we talked about business planning. We can dig into that too, but this is a way for me to add a whole nother component to what I already do and what I do well. Absolutely. What an amazing journey. Thanks for your, that resume. It's amazing. So obviously kind of set the stage here, everybody that's listening out there. I mean, we have somebody who's been around a quarter of a century in real estate. And prior to that, obviously you are still in the market, in the industry. Right. I mean, there's ancillary pieces, affiliated connections, title escrow. You know, actually you've probably been in it since birth. You're talking like your family's family's family. Well, right? yeah. And here's, here's actually a really great story. So one of my gifts is I am typically very good at remembering people's names, which is a hard skill. Most people are like, oh, I'm terrible at remembering names, which I've never said other than conveying that thought, right? So, but when I was a little kid, my twin brother and I would ride around with my grandpa while he was doing real estate. And we were three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And we go riding around. At the end of the day, he'd go, okay, White House by the Beach, Red Cadillac, what was their name? And he would drill us on people's names at the end of the day. Wow. And that's what made me good at remembering people's names. I had somebody in my life who understood the value of making people feel good. And, and part of that is just remembering their name and remembering something about them. How simple, something as yeah. simple as that, right? Which is yeah. so meaningful and impactful. Um, so, I mean, the reality is that we have actually an, an impressive opportunity here to, you touched a little bit about it, saying that we're in this crazy market. Yes, we are. And I think You've seen this market a couple of times. Yeah. I've been in it myself almost 20 years. I've seen it happen as well. Um, and quite honestly, we both kind of know what this show is about. Uh, it's maybe kind of ideally a rerun. And those who've been in it understand it. Those who have probably been in the industry for 10 years or less are in for quite a shock. Um, I don't think they've been in a realistic world of real estate in the last decade. And I hope we might be able to agree with that. So my point in saying that is that we have an opportunity here to really, really impose on some great vast of knowledge that you have. I mean, 25 years yeah. is a lot and you've seen it happen. So let's go back. First couple of things I want to just really hit on. And I really appreciate when I listen to your story. One of the things that hit me hard was you made the mention, man, I was ready to burn. I burned my boats and I didn't look back. Right. And, and how many of us in this, let's not even talk about the real estate world. Let's talk about just life in general. Every time we're trying to achieve a new step in our life, a new level, a new platform, a new plateau, we're just so timid and insecure and not willing to take that step. And yet there's people like yourself who say, screw it. Where's the gas? And give me the match while you're at it because right. I'm lighting this bad boy and I'm not going to return. And that really puts um, a sense of urgency in you to work like nobody else has ever worked, right? So that was one of the things that really just want to say that hit me and I, I appreciate you sharing that because yeah. I don't think people understand also in this business where we're at, again, we're in a market which in my mind, your mind, I feel like is ultimately a normal market, but yet it's gonna be a challenging market and people are gonna have to wanna burn their boats and be willing to just go it all in and make it happen. Um, yeah. Right. For sure. I, I think there's there's a couple things. I was on a uh, I'm on a weekly meeting with other quote unquote top producers in my area from different brokerages. And we've been meeting for seven years. And these are all veteran agents like me. 
And one of them used the term coin. I don't, I don't think they coined the term, but they were talking about people who've been in the business like the last two or three years that people are calling those COVID agents, but, and they don't know any better <laughs> other than, right? And look, here's the deal. I have met some people that have been in the business two to three years that are supremely talented and will do well. But if I'm if I'm sitting in front of somebody and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? The first thing I tell people is understand your numbers, understand your market numbers. So here's a great example. I pulled a chart. I'm in San Ramon Valley or what they call Diablo Valley, right? We sit at the base of Mount Diablo, 25 miles east of San Francisco. So I jumped on Google the other day because I was going to have an, a, a discussion with one of my team members, right? And we were talking about what's going to happen. And they were making this argument, no, it's just going to flatten out. We'll be okay. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is somebody who's been in the business for seven or eight years. And I'm like, look, let me show you. Like, I've told you this twice and you don't want to believe me because, and, and they work a slightly different market. They were Oakland, Berkeley, right? So it's a different market. But I'm like, here's what's going to happen. And I went back and I pulled this chart of home values from like 1970 to 2020. And I said, you can look. In, in 1980, we had a 10-year run. We had a recession. It dropped and it dropped 10%. So it went up 100%, gave back 10%. 1990, I was riding with my uncle, who again was a broker. He was also a builder. We're riding through the gates of Blackhawk. He had three build projects. This was December of 89. And I, I just told my cousin, his daughter, this at dinner last night, and she'd never heard the story. I said, I remember riding with your dad through the gate and him going, I don't like the way this feels. I'm out. And he started selling his projects. And we went and looked at all three. One he had just completed, it was done. One he's had half, almost all built. And one was a vacant piece of land. And he started dumping everything. What happened in February 90? We had a 10-year run. It yep. dropped 10%. So a Again. typical recession in this area is 100% gain, get back 10%, which is a game I'll play all day long, right? Agreed. And then, and then we may float sideways. So from 90 through 94, we went up. We came down 10%. In my area, Danville, Alamo, and San Ramon, which sort of comprised the valley, each went down 10% in different years. So not all at once, but each city had its year where it came down. But through 94, then 95, what happened? We started getting tech coming through. And we went up. 2001, we hit a little bubble. Again, went up, came down a little bit. We went up. In a, in a shorter period of time right now from 2000 and after 2001, when the tech bubble was done, we went up through 2006 and then we hit the great recession, right? We went up 87%. We came down 27%. That's the anomaly. That is the real estate related recession, the one and only. Everything else was macroeconomics. But if you, you anybody can go and pull up a chart of your area and look at home prices, from 1970 or whenever to today. And you can get a sense of what's typical in your area and understand what we're coming into. You have to be able to talk about those things to people today, because if you're talking to a buyer, they're like, I'm not buying, you know, rates are, rates are tough and prices are gonna come down and I'm gonna wait. Well, you, you can't time the market and everybody's situation is different, but if you can't speak intelligently about your own market, they don't need you. Right. So it's really right. super important for agents. And, and there are people who have learned this and are doing it at all different levels, right? from anywhere from two years in the business to 30 years in the business. And, and, and to be honest, the newer agents are more likely to do that sort of stuff than the guys who've been around as long as me or longer. 
um, who rely on what they think they already know. The game's right. changed, brother. Technology oh, yeah. is here to stay. Social media is here to stay. Advanced uh, marketing platforms are here to stay. And if you're not learning it, you're dying. I spent $11,000 during COVID learning advanced marketing stuff on Facebook and Instagram and trying to educate myself. Well, I love it, right? We always use that comparison as like uh, Wayne Gretzky being the most talented, top-ranked hockey player in the world, right? Arguably, some can say, but he is statistically. And his success, the key to success was always one thing he said, right? I was always playing where the puck was moving. I was never playing where the puck was at. Right. Right. And a good business owner is always thinking about where it's going, not where it's at. I actually was having a conversation this morning with a realtor about this whole exact scenario. We cannot play small. We cannot play small. It doesn't serve us. When we're playing small, we're only looking at like two steps ahead, like headlights in a car, right. right? Just about 50 feet in front of us, just enough to get down the path. But if I put my high beams on, I can see a hundred yards down the road and I get a better, clear picture of clarity of what's going on, right? And this is where I think a lot of real estate agents who, let's be honest, we talk about realtors as being, our real estate business being business owners. And I use that in quotation marks. Right. In the podcast world, you can't see us, but I'm using <laughs> quotation fingers right now, yeah. meaning we're calling ourselves business owners, but yet we don't behave in a fashion in which actually exemplifies that. Because yeah. business owners, number one, never think emotionally. Business owners always think logistically and what's best for the business, what's best for my bottom line. How am I going to grow that bottom line? And what is the market scenario, market conditions in my, like, you're right. I want to go back to what you just said. If you're not looking at your charts and graphs and charts and measuring, then really, what are you doing? You don't know your market. You don't know your inventory. You don't know your business. You're right. selling something you have no faith in. Here's the other component to that, though. I heard a, a quote yesterday I loved on social media, and it said, obsession beats talent every time. I think it was Adam Sandler, right? And maybe it was a clip from a movie. Be, yeah. And and the thing is, is one of the hardest things about being a realtor that's been around for 25 years is finding your obsession. Like it can become old hat, but I've pushed myself to learn new things so that I can become obsessed about something else. Like I don't get obsessed about the home sale process. Like I've sold who knows how many homes, a thousand homes, whatever it is. Um, but I, I get obsessed about learning new things, education. That's and I love to teach, right? I, I taught for years and years and years and years. I, I love that aspect of real estate. Um, so, but in order to be able to teach, you have to be able to learn and you have to learn new things so that you're always growing and expanding. And so that's that's sort of um, you know, we will talk a little bit about business planning, but that's sort of one of the keys for me to to staying not just grounded, but but focused and excited about what you're doing. Oh, agreed. I believe 100% the best way to learn is to teach. The best yeah. way I've ever learned in my entire career was by teaching other people yeah. uh, because it requires you to dig in and do your research. It requires you to dig in and understand it better so you can digest it and serve it to them on a platter that's digestible as well. You know, it's interesting. I'm actually going back and rereading um, for our Team Freedom again, our book of the month. We have a book of the month kind of thing. And yep. the book of the month last month was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Love it. Um, it's a great book, right? And I've yep. read it several times. For and, sure. and now this read it again, it quantified to me differently. Again, like I was kind of taken back by a few things. I was actually like, oh, but it always goes back to the same thing. 
the basics. And I love what you just said, obsession, because obsession is used a lot in that book. But I was reading it last night again. One of the other kickers was the key to obsession is persistence and desire. In order yeah. for it to move into a level of exchange for monetary exchange, you need to have a desire that, and the desire is driven by an obsession and also by persistence, right? They're very, all very similar and synonymous. Persistence, desire, and obsession. And I think you're right. We need to become obsessed with whatever is involved in becoming whatever we need to be in this business. Yeah, but um, the thing you just said that I think is really smart is persistence, right? Um, again, we had a little bit of an off offline conversation about business planning, and I, and I hope we'll dive into that a little bit. But um, persistence, if, if you can stay obsessed, then you, you'll persevere or you'll be persistent. But there are days where we're not feeling it, right? And so the question is how do you keep moving if you're not feeling obsessed that day right or so the persistence part is unbelievably important maybe more important than motivation and obsession um because not everybody's obsessed every day now the great still do their daily habits right if you're a weightlifter you don't feel like lifting weights you go anyway because you right. understand what you're trying to achieve down here right Persistence. So, That's persistence, persistence, right? Is super key to yeah. really success. Yeah, I made mention about how the people who are persistent at some point when they obviously persistence means consistently doing stuff and over and over, you just you keep doing it. You don't quit. When failure hits, you're persistent. You just get back up, dust yourself off, and you do it again. You never quit. And when you're persistent, it always, always, it uses the word always. He put in there always ends up in success always right. the persistence yep. will always end up in success so if we're talking to everybody out there in this podcast world about the market just be persistent because you will win in the end i feel for sure so i want to go back there okay um let's talk about some of your wins then too for obviously and we'll, and we'll get into some business planning stuff for obviously we get some time left for that too but right. just maybe kind of talk about a couple of things that you've done to um some of the struggles and challenges you had in the quarter of a century in your business that maybe people, I, I love that you made that breakdown real quick of timeline of 1970, 2000, kind of gave us a forecast, kind of gave us an introduction of what we're going to be seeing. Maybe nobody has a magic eight ball, obviously, but you can see the numbers and you can use the numbers. What are some of the challenges and stuff that you had to overcome um, in your 25 years of business? Because I'm sure it wasn't all peaches and creams and butterflies and kisses. No. Nope. Um, Kind of maybe touch a little bit on that if you can. Maybe throw some of that out here for a few minutes. Yeah, I so I have a singular problem. My singular problem is consistency. I've had years where I have made unbelievable amounts of money, typically followed by years where I made, at least in my area, average amounts of money. Right. Right. So for me, it's been. How do I keep that going? And I don't necessarily want to call it work ethic because I have always worked hard. Like I'll, I, I go out, um, I go out and work construction for a day and I'll work as hard as guys half my age. Like that's not the issue. Um, and maybe it's motivation. I don't know exactly how, but I look back at my career and, and it was a bit of a roller coaster. And there were times where I've got, you know, six listings and three buyers in contract and, 
um, you know, a pipeline full of people and I'm just rocking and rolling. I, my manager at Cole Banker early on said, she goes, I have never met anybody that goes from zero to 60 as fast as you. She goes, I've also never met anybody that goes from 60 to zero as fast as, fast you. as you. It's a so dollar store, man. It's, it's always been my struggle. And maybe it's just because I work so hard for such a prolonged period of time. So that goes back to learning who you are. It's interesting. I walk with one of my twin boys uh, several times a week. And we're having this conversation of he's a senior in high school. Next year he goes to college. And I said, I, you don't have to figure out what you're going to do for a living for a decade or a decade and a half. I don't really care. doesn't matter to me what you do for a living, but I want you to start thinking about who you are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? When I started doing that, Chris, after figuring out that I had this roller coaster mentality, I learned that there were things in my business that I didn't care to do, but I had to do. And so then leverage became really critical for me. Leverage in the form of, and like I said, when I first got into the business back in 97, 98, the, there, there, we had a TC. We had one of the best TCs in the, I've ever experienced. Um, and so she started handling my paperwork, right? I did it initially to sort of learn and, and follow along and understand. And paperwork's gotten more and more complicated but so my first piece of leverage was hiring a TC. And then I hired um, a part-time assistant. Um, and I even had somebody doing some marketing for me. So getting the pieces, because in order to be consistent, you can't do everything. You can't be the uh, assistant. You can't be the marketing person. You can't be the finance person. You can't be the bookkeeper, right? If you run a business, there's a wonderful book called The E-Myth. Now it's called the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, who's a Harvard professor. And it's a sort of, um, what's the right word? Almost a parable. It's about a woman who grows up baking pies with her aunt. And as she gets older, she's great at baking pies. And her friends are like, you should, you should run a business of the pie shop. So she gets a pie shop and she quickly figures out just because you're good at baking pies doesn't mean you can run a business. And here's all the different aspects of running a business you need to learn. So, so people getting into the business need to understand there's a lot more than just looking at houses. Like it's a complicated business, like every business. And there's aspects you have to learn that you may not be familiar with, but if Absolutely. you can remain consistent, if you have your marketing going out consistently, as much as you can automate that, even if you spend a little bit of money, that's the one thing that can never stop is marketing. Cause that's what feeds your business. If it stops because you're doing it and now you're dealing with all these escrows, you're in trouble. You're going to hit that roller coaster. You're going to go up, 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 close a whole bunch of deals. And now you're starting all over and it takes 90 days to get it going again. That's so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. It's like kind of the jack of all trade, master of none, right? You need to get really great at one thing. And that's your one thing. You get well, that's really an okay. interesting phrase because that phrase is more than jack of all trades, master, master, master of none. none. There's an additional part to that. Right. Phrase. Yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, gosh, now I have to remember. Yeah. It. I was just reading that. Trades, master of none. Yeah. Um, but still always better than a master of one. One. Yep. So you have to be able to a lot of things good. But as you move forward, you can take the things that are most important, not the things you hate the most, which right. is the mistake I made. Delegate. Take the things that are most important, which is typically marketing. Mm -hmm. And that keeps leads coming in. Yep. Um, and try and automate that as much as possible. Totally. So you identify the one thing. It's Gary Keller's yep. the book, right? Yep. The one thing. And that's why I'm we've been 
working really hard. I'm setting up a, a buyer campaign and I've got the whole year's worth of auto responders set up now. I'll have it done by the end of the week. So now if I, a lead comes in, it automatically flows through my funnel into KB Core and then KB yeah. Core does all the heavy lifting. And like I said, the, the partner that I'm working with on this on is already getting leads and watching these autoresponders go. It's awesome. It's perfect. Awesome. I love it. So obviously, I always like to do kind of a call to action thing at this. People listening in this world. You had some great content, by the way, Terry. Thank you for your knowledge, your vast amount of knowledge and experience. Of course. Um, but so one thing, maybe you can say, all right, what's one thing they may be able to do? And, and you did touch on business planning. I think it's important. I think we actually have a business planning clinic coming up in right. here locally in November. Um, and but that's obviously very important to understand your business for next year and tracking your previous year to knowing where you'd be futuristically. Um, what's one thing that somebody maybe you could advise as a digestible nugget that they can maybe take away tomorrow, maybe implement tomorrow and start gradually working? Yeah, you, I, I think that? the and and I'm only saying this because I'm you know now's the time of year when you have to do business planning because if you start in January you won't see results until March. Right. 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 So it's it's kind of late. You start now to see results in January. So I think the singular piece of advice I have is I've taken the approach to business planning. Like I think it's important to have a goal to shoot for, but it's far more important for you to be able to know what your daily activities are going to be. So you reverse engineer, if I want to do 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, $50 million in business. And as we've said, the market is shifting as we're talking just to break even with last year, which was one of the best years we've had in a long time. You're going to have to at least double your efforts. That's just to break even, right? If you want to grow, you have to quadruple your efforts. Right. And so you have to know every day, what am I going to do? You have to learn new things and understand your daily habits. If you execute your daily habits, which is that persistent we were talking about, you'll get to your goal. Like it's great to have the 30,000 foot view. It's to me at this point, it's far less important than understanding what I got to do every day. Right. That's and I'm not even saying like, like we were, you and I were trained like, Put it in your calendar, put it in your calendar, right? Block time, block time, block time. But most people won't do that. They're not going to do that. But if they know these three things have to happen every day and you put it on a whiteboard in front of your desk and you do those three things, most everything else will take care of itself. I agree. I love it. And it's starting simple, right? Because people try to eat the whole entire steak. It's why you cut it up in pieces and take bite sized digestible things because it's more right. manageable. Yeah. So if you do put that in front of you on a daily routine of I got to do X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C on a daily, like without a doubt, I cannot go to bed or close my door and go home until A, B, and C is done. That's accountability. Yeah. And that's yes. different. And then you write those this one. Like now our next book for the month is the Darren Hardy compound effect book. I right? read that book. Right. I'll reread it with you guys. It's a great book. It's this yeah. month's our books, this Darren Hardy. And that just segues in from Thinking Grow Rich into now, how do I implement that? Well, let's start doing small, digestible daily routine that kick in into massive, massive results, right? And yes. that's how this all works. So it's interesting when we see that. Um, so thank you for that, obviously. So get out there, find two or three simple daily routines that you need to change. And maybe that day, one of the daily routines, maybe getting up earlier. Maybe that's a kicker, right? Maybe it's getting up earlier. And, and, and actually, instead of getting up at 10, 11 o'clock, 
maybe it's getting up at seven and being more confident in your time. Right? Well, and to speak to that, I remember back in, I think it was 98, 98 I met Brian Buffini, who is a brand new trainer. Now he has one of the largest training companies in the country. And, and I love the guy. I like his system. Um, and I remember he always talked about the five areas of, of life, right? So you might want to have a goal. Like you might, you're probably going to have several things to do in your business, but you might have a singular goal for your family, a singular goal for your wealth, a singular goal for your spiritual life, whatever that means, a singular, right? There's aspects of your life. And I've found that if you over plan, if you try and do three things in every area, it's, it's too much. Keep it simple. If I achieve, if I meaningfully achieve one good goal in my health, right? I'm going to end that year feeling like a winner. And, and, and if you do something for a year in your health, you will definitely be changed by the end of that year. So don't try and complicate it by setting three to five goals in every area. Look at your business, focus on a few things that will meaningfully change your business. And then in other areas of your life, pick one thing, pick one thing and just do that. Do that. Like I want to, I want to lose X amount of pounds or I want to run a 5k or whatever the goal is, pick one thing and only work on that because we can't work on too many things or nothing gets done. We have to be focused. I agree. You kind of get the shiny object syndrome scenario, right? Yeah. Like everything like the cat. Yeah, chasing yeah, the laser. Man, me too. Involved in that. Like, oh, that laser, Ooh, laser, laser in the room, moving around. I'm chasing that laser because the laser attracting me. And then we end up like tired, exhausted, and nothing's accomplished at all. Yeah, you have to be willing to cut out everything else that's a distraction. And sometimes, honestly, that might mean people in your life. I agree. Anybody who isn't on board with helping you focus and get done what you're trying to get done, mm-hmm. yep. see them on Saturday every few months. Yeah. Like, Energy stuff. You have to cut people out of your life, but you have to decide there are people are either helping you achieve your goals or they're passively watching. And if they're yeah. passively watching, that's cool. I, I I have all my friends I've had since I moved to Danville at 16 years old. I've got lots of friends and, and um, you know, some of them have supported me tremendously, not only in using me as a realtor, but encouraging me. And some of them have passively watched and I still hang out with them and see them every once in a while, but they're not a huge part of my life. Nope, I get it. They always say we got well poisoners or life enhancers. I want yeah. the life enhancers in my life. I don't want the well poisoners. Um, that, you know, that might be something that I could have done better in the past 25 years, too, yeah. is I I have this inherent desire to help everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And I figured out over the last few years, especially when I was in management, not everybody deserves my help. No, nope. no. Nope. The first because person actually is you. Yeah. That's the first person, right? And that gets where most humans drop the ball. Put your life mask on first. Put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. We want to help the entire world, but our life's in shambles. Yeah. Like, come on. Right. Great, great preacher, but not our great teacher, but not a good preacher of your own word, right? You don't do and practice your own things you teach. Exactly. Um, Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Again, amazing opportunity. I think a lot of people took away some great things here, things that you could walk away with tomorrow and implement, which is amazing. One thing I like to end this with here and win it briefly real quickly is obviously I met you again through EXP. I did know you at Keller Williams because we were both team leaders in the both same Northern California region. So yeah. we made that introduction there too. But we really, really expanded our relationship and grown on a deeper level here at EXP. And I'm grateful for that too because yeah. you're an amazing – I mean just listening to you 
amazing asset here to our entire group team freedom and you are part of us to help support us and this is what i love about exp too what are some of the things i'm going to touch a little bit on exp because i have to because i love it um, yeah for sure what are in, in kind of maybe in a quick little synopsis here what what has it done to change your life um how has your business changed do you see change coming to exp now and it's been like you said 27 so three uh, three four years now right 18 yep. 19 20, 20 yeah where have you seen a change by coming to exp for you i think two main areas i already touched on one which is technology um i i've been with everything from boutique companies to huge companies and there isn't a single company that even comes close to exp when it comes to technology it is a difference maker you have to invest the time in learning the technology it's not gonna it's not gonna do itself for you so I'm starting to do higher level things, um, but that the, doing those higher level things brings me to the other thing I love about EXP because I joined just pre-COVID, right? So the bulk of my time at EXP has been COVID related. So everybody's working from home, but I go into the virtual world and talk to people. Um, I've learned platforms like this where I'm using Zoom, et cetera. Here's the, here's, here's the bottom line. When I was at other companies, I always tried to collaborate with people. But the problem was um, I would talk with an agent and I'd say, let's work on this. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And two weeks later, they're, they're nowhere to be found. Um, at EXP, I have much more like-minded people who are willing to work hard and stick it out. And um, it's just a different level of agent just a different level of agent. People who really want to, they're willing to, to grind and be persistent and put stuff together. Um, and I've got the platform to do that with. I don't, it's, you know, I'm not showing, showing up at my office and everybody's, you know, around the water pool and they're all talking smack. It, this is, this is, we're all focused on business. Um, you know, we we talked earlier about Pygow. Uh, I I I love working with you because you work hard and you play hard, and I I appreciate that because I I like to believe I'm the exact same way. And yeah. um, it's great to have a platform where I get to interact with people like you and Brent Gove and and Dylan, who I loved the podcast you did with him. Uh, another amazing asset to the company and other folks that I've met. It's been it's been great. I love it. I really love it. I agree. I appreciate that. And it has changed your career, obviously. And again, this is yeah. not somebody who just started real estate two years ago. This is who started real estate actually his whole entire life. So I would say your opinion really does matter because it's it's someone that's been around this industry from, man, years, years. Yeah. And I've seen it change from, I mean, even when your parents were using MLS books to, right? That was yeah, different. My, yeah. Right. Yeah, my, the MLS my books was doing that into yeah. the MLS era of technology. And now we're moving into the next level of technology. We've seen it happen even in the real estate brokerage industry model, how technology has changed and adapted. I literally spoke to somebody today about that. And I said, here's an interesting piece. I asked him as a real estate agent, and he's only been in real estate for probably seven years. He said, in the seven years you've been in the business, how many times have you changed or adapted or upgraded your systems, your platforms, your applications in order to enhance the experience of your client base, to help make your business more proficient and efficient, 
to move to the next level because what you were doing year one, which was maybe let's say eight to nine deals, and now you're seven doing 30 to 50 to 60 deals. What system did you use? You can't use that same system at two deals as you are 30. Mm -hmm. Did you agree that you have changed and adapted to fit your environment and your future business? Oh, 100%. Because I probably changed applications a dozen times and tried yeah. things and, and, and let things go, right? Just because I realized it was good for me and my business. Awesome. Yeah. How ironic is it that realtors do not look at the number one thing that could make the biggest impact in their client's business? in their business and the future of their business and that's their brokerage why do we overlook the brokerage we want to change applications on our phone we want to change applications in our crm we want to change applications in all of our drip campaigns and our marketing pieces always to adapt to our client base to be better profitable more efficient but we don't change our brokerage here here's the here's the answer the answer is number one how many times have you heard a real estate agent complain about clients who think that all realtors are the same? Yeah. Because we know they're not. Right. But 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 agents have the same mindset about brokerages. And it comes down to being comfortable. Look, when you're when you're in leadership, your job is recruiting. So you and I have both have had thousands of conversations with agents and you can tell the people whose minds are open and willing to learn that want to grow and the people who just don't want to move because it's inconvenient and i don't mean necessarily move companies they don't want to move at all they don't want to look at new apps they don't want to look at new software solutions they even even if you're willing to coach them and try and help them right where they sit they don't want it no. they're they're good with where they're at and that's okay. That's what that company's for. If you're a lion and you want to eat, then that's what EXP is for. Yeah, I love it. If you want to, yeah, crush it and go yeah. after it and build yeah. something that's much bigger than you. This is where you go back to your why. Why? Yeah. And and what's what are you really doing this for? Well, for me, it's about building something bigger than me, way beyond me. It's way beyond me. And it's helping others. And we're able to do that here at EXP. Yep. Well, awesome. I appreciate it, Terry. Gosh, what a great, this is freaking amazing. Honestly, this it's is funny. Fun. When, we were, when we were talking to you, like, oh my God, what are we talking about? Dude, there's so many things. You have a vast wealth of knowledge and experience. Man, it's been a blessing and I appreciate you. And again, so honored that you're part of our team freedom here at EXP Realty. And you're Thank a great you. asset to help this grow here. And definitely want to plug in. You're in California. We obviously have teams all over the country, um, part of Team Freedom. We're growing quickly and it's exciting. We're having more fun in our career, in my career. Than I've ever had in my entire career. So excited yeah, for that. Without question. Uh, absolutely. So, anyways, thank you again. Um, episode number eight of our podcast, Real Talk with Chris. Uh, we're on here again next Wednesday, episode number nine, and I'll be interviewing another amazing top talented individual in our 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 group team freedom here. Um, and definitely if you have any questions, please reach out and chime in, respond back, let us know. We'd love to help you out um, in any way we can. And uh, we're excited to watch and help the entire industry as a whole grow. So, Especially if you have any clients coming to the uh, East, East Bay, Bay area. Get up Terry Tucker. That's right. It. Awesome. All right. Until then, signing off. Y'all have an amazing week and I'll talk to y'all soon. Have a good day.